Well, some of you might think I've jumped the gun a bit here because it's not harvest for another three weeks, or at least not in our service. We'll be celebrating in uh, three weeks' time on the 1st of October. But what I want to think about is progression, about moving forward, moving forward as God's people. We've marked the young people, each entering a new year in their school, each taking maybe another step forward with the Lord, we hope. But hopefully, whatever our age, we'll be discovering something new of the Lord in the year ahead. Whatever our background, whatever our experience, there is something new, and there's something new to discover. The purpose of all these farming references was not to help the people of Judah think about plowing or scattering or threshing or grinding. The Lord gave Isaiah a form of parable, much like how Jesus taught words that were common to them, concepts that they were familiar with, something that they knew about in their daily lives so that they could think and know and see the imagery that the Lord wanted them to receive. God wanted them to know about living as his children, and he calls all of us, whatever our age, to be his children adopted into his family. The passage comes from the first part of Isaiah. In this, he warns the king and his people that there needs to be change. The prophet needs to give a clear message, a message that will be heard, a message that will be understood about the kingdom, for the law was not being followed by a nation that was supposed to be close to God. And they would have to get ready and sort themselves out, or God would sort themselves out for them. God would sort them out for them. Now, I don't think I'm giving you a plot spoiler by telling you the fact that this is the first part of Isaiah. They didn't sort themselves out. And so the second part is in exile. And then the third part, they return back to the promised land. They didn't listen. They didn't heed the message. They didn't think of what the Lord was wanting. The people just continually behaved in the same way, not learning and not moving on. For them, there was no natural progression. They are ignoring the order of things ordained by God. 
the farmer does not go to the field and plough it, and then plough it, and then plough it, and keep doing it each month of the year. Because you wouldn't end up with a crop, would you? There is a season when it's ploughed. And then the seed is scattered. There's time for the crop to grow. And then it is harvested. And the harvested crop is taken and it's threshed. And then what is threshed is milled. And then eventually there is flour for the making of bread. Many, many stages. We're not called to remain static doing the same thing over and over again. But each must regularly take stock of who we are and what we are doing. And then decide to do the next thing that God is calling us to do. That's true for us as individuals in the congregation. It's true for us as a church as a whole. We are to consider what God is saying and move forward at the right time. When we see we've done one stage, we do the next. As we observe how God works in the world, we see that the seed germinates and grows. It develops roots that go down, that holds it and feeds it, but it also grows up, reaching for the light that comes from God. If that seed is, say, a pip from an apple, then the green shoots will in time become a sapling and a young tree, a tree that is maybe swayed by even a gentle breeze. However, as years pass, the good soil, the watering and refreshment that comes, freedom from anything that might introduce rot into the tree, any sort of disease that way, a strength comes that may weather many a storm. And will yield a great harvest of fruit. That is a blessing to God. And beneficial to humanity. This path, the idea of being rooted and growing. Of being nourished and developing. And of bearing fruit relates to our Christian experience of discipleship. We want to come closer to doing God's will and seeking his path such that we produce a blessing and a fruit for God and for God's purpose of the church, seeing him blessed, but also others experiencing what God's blessing is. During the church weekend away, we were encouraged by David Bedford 
to find someone that we can reflect with, someone that we can be accountable to, someone who will regularly meet with us and ask us, perhaps over a cup of tea, maybe on a little walk, maybe while you engage in a hobby, they will ask us questions about what is God doing in your life and what needs to change for him to do more. I know that since that weekend back in June, some of you, one or two, have been meeting with someone and exploring the idea of discipleship, seeing what the next step is. How can you challenge each other? How can you grow more? What is it you have to put right or adapt or change such that you are more of the person that God wants you to be, the one who will bring fruit. As you meet, the soil will be fertilized and the roots of faith will grow deeper. And so I do encourage you in this year ahead to be thinking of who that person might be and to be approaching them and saying, and if they're not sure about how to do it, maybe have a word with one of the elders or myself or Danny and think about quite what a path might be for you. How might you explore something more of what God's saying to you as a person, an individual, getting routinely challenged? But Isaiah's message was not just about planting and acknowledging growth. It thought of that harvest, or rather the threshing after the harvest. And as it spoke of that, it it says about using different tools at different times. The same thing is not right for everyone. And you know that with these young people that were stood here a few minutes ago. What it's right to teach the glowworms is not the same for the lasers and the LEDs. You know, somebody that size learns differently than somebody this size. We accept that. We say it's their age, their maturity, how they develop. But among us, we learn in different ways. Some of you might enjoy sitting to us, listening to a sermon that lasts 20 minutes. Some of you might wish the sermon was twice as long, or maybe even three times as long. This might be able to be arranged. (laughs) Some of you might wish there wasn't a sermon at all. We have different ways of learning and struggling, but quite often we treat the church as a homogenous substance. This is what we deliver to you. 
And so we, as your people, need to try and encourage you to find different ways, ways that will encourage you in your faith. One of the things we started at Easter was something different. We changed the evening service. We tried to tackle the subject of coming close to God and grappling with his word in a different way. Not tonight. Tonight's a bit of a different service. It's got to be a more traditional layout of the church. But quite often in the evening service, we have a cafe-style layout. There's refreshments before the service starts, not after. There's maybe not a long sermon. Instead, the congregation has to do the work. Sits well with some and not with others. They have questions to explore and get prodded and actually speak. But again, that wouldn't fit for all. In the new year, we hope to add another act of worship, a short service, a midweek once a month before the lunch club, a more traditional service perhaps, but brief but an opportunity to come and worship for those who can't meet with us on a Sunday morning. We're looking as a church to how we might gather, how we might be God's people, how we might be refreshed and nourished and grow, not for our own purpose, but so that we can see something of God's kingdom growing. Yesterday, I, um, well, it was a really exciting day. It was great to see this place buzzing. It was great as part of the uh, activities for the arts festival to see people coming through the doors, people that wouldn't normally come in. I know the small team, and it was a small team, that was doing messy chart and refreshments, did loads of work. And that was great. 60, was that right? 60 um, children came to the messy church time. We pray that they might come back this Friday when it's a normal messy chart. I don't know how we'll feed them all. But we pray that they will come and experience something extra of God's love. But it's great to be open, but we have to play our part in saying this is good food that the Lord has given us. Come, taste, see, this is for you. And be encouraged. I was here in the morning, and then in the afternoon, I was... Uh, at the Methodist Church in Hayward's Heath because there was a, a welcome service uh, for their new minister, Arena, and uh, for Brianel, for Bry, uh, who is a, a Methodist uh, in the Methodist diaconal order. And uh, that's a, a role about going out and seeing something of God's kingdom come. But as I looked around the congregation there yesterday afternoon, 
a congregation gathered from across the CSUA, but mainly three local churches where uh, Irina, Irina and, uh, and Rye have been stationed. Um, I realised that I was one of the youngest in attendance. And those that were younger than me, for the most part, were either wearing a dog collar or were of the Methodist diaconal order. Hmm. Even here, you know, there's a few that are quite a bit younger than me, one or two, maybe. But, you know, age-wise... Where are we? I was at a non-church event a week ago. And uh, I was asked to fill in a form uh, on an iPad. And it included, on on this form, it included um, a thing about how old we were. And which age category? They didn't want to actually ask us our age. They said, what age category do you fall into? And the age categories were 18 to 25, 25 to 35, 35 to 45, or 45 plus. (laughs) And I looked at the iPad And I looked at the person that had given it to me to take the box. And I went, really? (laughs) And they went, well, you you know, I didn't want to pin people's ages down too precisely. And I was like, really? (laughs) But that was the mindset of those that that were running the the event. Uh, The person I was talking to. Um, was actually the person that had made the questionnaire. So they, they said, you're not the first person. And I said, yeah, I'm sure. And as I stood there, there was somebody else going, what's this? <laughs> but it's an example that reminds us that we are not always as diverse as what we might like to be. We are not always as diverse as the community outside that door. One example. And God may have something in mind for people that are quite different from us. Quite different, not used to the things that we do. They come from a different culture. They are a different age. God might want to use us for some strange reason to reveal something of his ways to them. Something of the great kingdom that he has. So we in our sermons, in our studies, in our missionary activity need to be thinking how do we share God's kingdom? How do we see God's kingdom come? Can we speak the language? Do we use the right tools?
caraway is not threshed with a sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over cumin. Isaiah was trying to say, you know, not everything is the same. We have to be challenged to think, how do we progress? How do we progress the coming of the kingdom so that we are able to realistically pray, thy kingdom come? The coming of the kingdom is in God's time. It is through his power. It is by his spirit. But he equips us by his spirit. He equips us with his power. He gives us strength and wisdom and word to share, to see the kingdom grow. So when we pray thy kingdom come, we're not simply talking of how politicians might make the right decision in Westminster. We're not talking about the great um, difficulties that we might see in the inner cities with knife crime or with acid attacks. That's part of it, but not the whole picture. It begins with us. When we pray thy kingdom come, we have to be praying that thy kingdom will come in our heart. That we are the ones challenged to make the right decisions that see something of the kingdom. That the things that we choose to do will not see further oppression or injustice. You know, I was talking to one of the stall holders yesterday that had a fair trade stall at the back of the church. And they're looking for Linfield to become a fair trade village. Fair trade is a thing that's not simply about making sure that the farmer in Africa or the Caribbean or Central America or wherever gets the right pay. It's saying we believe in God's justice. We believe that God's kingdom can come and we're doing part of it. And so there's a challenge there for us in our homes and as a church as to how we bring justice through that way. In the language that we speak, we have to proclaim the kingdom. You know, there's times for all of us that we might think things that are not right. There's times that we might say things that are unkind and that we've done wrong. A coach driver crashed into me yesterday in the car yesterday evening. I did not think kind things about the coach driver. 
especially as there's a couple of panels damaged on the car. But I want him to experience something of God's kingdom. And that means I have to try and put my mind in the right place that he will see hope and love and not anger and you know where are we are we seeing God's kingdom in our life in the decisions we make in what we do that's what we want to explore in the year ahead as a church seeing God's reign in our hearts so that we will see God's reign in the world outside. Isaiah isn't saying to the people, you have to farm in a certain way. He's saying, don't farm always in the way that you have. Don't just do it because you've started doing it. Don't just get into a rut. Because sometimes it won't work that way. Consider the path that God presents us with. Consider how the kingdom may flourish and be seen in our community. When we meet normally as something different, I have a question on the tables as people come in. Something I think about that I then pull out of them later. And uh, Danny's been saying to me, you know, in the morning service, it's all right for him, he's out there. In the morning service, what you should be doing is giving them a question that they can then explore over coffee. So here we go. Here's a question. Something, well, maybe it's not so much of a question, something for you to ponder with today and maybe onwards from that. When Jesus talks of the kingdom of God being near, what needs to happen for me to see it here? Okay? When Jesus talks of the kingdom of God being near, what needs to happen for you to see it here? You can think about that over coffee, but not quite yet. We've got another hymn to sing. Amen.